0: Hello, and welcome back to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. You may have heard about these new weight loss medications, whether it's a celebrity or someone you know taking these medications to drop some pounds, or perhaps you've heard that people with diabetes have had a difficult time finding these medications that they rely on. Either way, you probably have questions. Here to walk us through it is Dr. Payne, internist at Texas Tech Physicians and associate professor in the School of Medicine. Dr. Payne explains the differences and similarities to these weight loss medications and talks to us about what is a realistic weight loss goal. He also tells us which is the best way to lose weight depending on your body and why your healthcare provider is the best person to ask for advice about weight loss. Dr. Payne, welcome back to our podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. It's always great to be here.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your expertise, and what you do here at the Health Sciences Center?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So I'm Drew Payne. I'm an internist here at Texas Tech Physicians at the Texas Tech Health Science Center campus here in Lubbock. And what I do as an internist, I'm a primary care physician, and I take care of adults. But I also have a really keen and special interest in in weight management and obesity. So that's what I came on to talk about today was weight management, weight loss, and some of these new medications out there.
0: Well, glad to have you back. Let's start off with what is the buzz about these new diabetes and weight loss drugs, and who really is the best candidate to take them? And do you have to take them long-term? And how young is too young to start?
1: (laughs) Well, so uh, all good questions for sure. And there has been a ton of buzz. Uh, If your children are on TikTok or if you're on TikTok or if Instagram is, is in your life, then it seems as though some of these new medications have come up and have really been just kind of in the in the forefront of the news about weight management and th- th- the reason that is is because they're they're really effective so these weight loss medications are for two different groups of people originally they were uh, marketed and approved by the FDA for diabetics so type 2 diabetes not type 1 but type 2 we found out also that these medications help out quite a bit with weight loss so They were FDA-approved for weight loss in patients that have a BMI above 27 with one comorbidity or above 30. And those patients can receive insurance coverage if their insurance plan covers that medication, but that is the FDA-approved medication. So the newer medications fall into this class called GLP-1 agonists. And that's what that's what we call them. That's what us physicians, the nerds call them. But popular names for them are Ozempic or Simaglutide, uh, Saxenda, Liraglutide. All those are really popular medications for weight loss. So Simaglutide goes by two different brand names. It goes by the brand name Ozempic or Wagovi. And it's the same medication. Ozempic is is FDA approved for type 2 diabetic glycemic control. So our type 2 diabetics can use that to help with their blood sugars. Wagovi is FDA approved for weight loss. Now it's the same medication, it's just branded differently. And that knowledge of, of what that drug is, is licensed by the pharmaceutical company. So it's still under patent. So there's not a generic form for it. So what that medication does is, well, it came out, that group of medication came out several years ago, first starting with Learglutide, Victoza is the brand name of that. And then the weight loss brand name is Saxenda. So you can see how confusing this can all get real quick because there's different names for everything. All that being said, the GLP-1s, they are medications that help you lose pretty substantial weight. So semaglutide, the one that's most popular right now, can help you lose about 15% of your, your body mass. So when we talk about health benefits with weight loss, we really shoot for 5 to 7% weight loss before we start to see some good health benefits. So this is kind of groundbreaking in a lot of ways. We've had some medications for weight loss for years that kind of hit in that 5% range, but these medications are much more effective at it. The way that they work is they one kind of slow the motility of your stomach to where your calories are spread out over a little bit longer and it makes you feel a little fuller. Also, it works on certain hormones in the in the brain to increase satiety. And decrease hunger all at the same time. So the the trials are really pretty interesting on them. They really are. And as far as age-wise, really for for kids, these medications haven't necessarily been studied in that population just yet. Uh, I think that there's always people that use medications off-label. And as an internist, I mainly take care of patients over the age of 18. So we do have that gray area of, of some kids that are Struggle with weight, and you know maybe you're in that 16, 17, 18 year age range. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if some people use it. I haven't used it on those patients just yet, but I, I guarantee you that the pharmaceutical companies are looking into it.
0: And are these medications taken long term?
1: Yeah. So the that 15 percent weight loss uh, is is quoted out of a study that looked at using this medication in a long-term period. And they looked at it for over a year in that study. So the medications, you will start to see 5 to 10% weight loss after the first two to three months. But you start off very low on the dosing. And then you slowly go up. But they're intended to be used long-term. The best kind of patients for it, you asked that earlier, are really, really patients that fall into that insulin-resistant type 2 diabetic category. You don't have to be a type 2 diabetic to, to take these medications and lose weight. But that insulin resistance and, and, and trouble with blood sugars is, is more of a continuum than just only used for patients that specifically have diabetes. So what I'm trying to say by that is you may have problems with insulin resistance, and it may be a great medication for you even though you don't have a full diagnosis of diabetes and obesity itself is is I really like to call it obesity because everybody has different causes for weight gain so there's not really a one-size-fits-all on any of these things you need to meet with your primary care doctor and look into different reasons on why you struggle with weight gain and this medication is great for a lot of people, but it may not be the perfect medication for you. So, you really need to dive deeper into see why weight is an issue.
0: So, you mentioned talking to a doctor or a healthcare provider before starting or asking about taking these medications. What about just starting a weight loss plan? And what is a realistic weight loss goal?
1: Well, so starting a weight loss plan, I think that most every adult. Should meet with their primary care physician and seek some guidance as far as that goes there's tests that probably need to be run if if you are overweight or out of shape to make sure that there 's a safe avenue for you to do that and and as far as the second part of your question about what is kind of that uh, safe way to do that diet and exercise are kind of the foundation of all these medications. Ozempic, semaglutide works great, but really da- at the foundation of that is a diet that allows you to decrease certain macronutrients that you have problems with and then maintain a, a lower calorie intake and then exercise on top of that.
0: Well, what is the best way to lose weight? And are there any... I don't know, trendy diets that actually do work. I guess the the trendy ones right now are intermittent fasting, and there's the DASH diet, there's Atkins and keto, and there's also meal replacements. What works best?
1: Uh, it, it honestly depends on who you are. The DASH diet for several years has been one of the safest and most effective diets uh, for people not only with issues with their weight, but also with issues with their blood pressure. So uh, the DASH diet is a great diet. Intermittent fasting works really well for some people. Intermittent fasting, they, they believe that uh, what it does is decreases the amount of time that you're exposed to calories, so therefore decreasing your total number of calories, but also decreases the amount of time that you might be exposed to hormones like insulin that you need, but also can contribute to insulin resistance and then weight gain. So that's how they think that works. Other Trinity diets, Atkins or keto diets, those have been around for a long time as well. And they and they do work. The thing about keto diet is that once you've stopped some of these diets, you tend to gain weight back quickly. And the body returns to that set point. So diet is is, like I mentioned, foundational in weight loss, but it also needs to be used and supported with medications often. So your body's weight set point may not get lower than a certain point without some additional help with weight loss medications. These newer medications add some ammunition to those that we already had that allow us to prescribe medications for a long period of time and help us to view weight more as a chronic illness as opposed to a short-term fix that a trendy diet can help you with. I like to view weight management in the same way I view blood pressure management or migraine therapy or diabetes, any of these things. Some patients were able to prescribe medications to them for a short period of time and things get better. Some patients require long-term medications and daily medications, and um, that's the case for, for weight as well.
0: What about um, weight loss surgery? Is that a good healthy option, and who is the best candidate for that?
1: Weight loss surgery is a is sometimes our best option for people that have tried medical therapy for weight loss. Also, people that have weight on the upper end of the BMI scale. So we use a body mass index scale, which kind of normalizes height and weight. The BMI indications for those are a BMI above 35 with one comorbidity and or a BMI above 40. So comorbidity, sometimes we use that term and people don't know what it means. A, A comorbidity related to weight would be diabetes, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, sometimes osteoarthritis or arthritis of your knees. So those things all qualify for bariatric surgery. Bariatric surgery comes in different flavors as well. So there's different types that you can have. The most common right now is a gastric sleeve. Gastric sleeve is very, I guess, very safe is a good way to put it. It doesn't alter the GI tract as much as some of the older ways that we did gastric bypass surgery. So people still have very normal, quote-unquote, anatomy and are able to lose significant amount of weight. So these newer weight loss medications, I said 15% of the weight was was kind of groundbreaking for them. So with bariatric surgery, 15% is on the lower side of what you expect to lose. So some people can lose 30 40% of their body mass through surgery. So it's very, very effective.
0: What are three or maybe more key things that people should keep in mind when starting a weight loss plan?
1: Well, so I think uh, number one, go into a weight loss plan with a honest and healthy goal. I think if you start your weight loss and your weight loss program that you're starting is to get you to the rock-hard beach body abs by summertime, and you've never had those in your life, I think you set yourself up for disappointment with that. A healthy goal is 5 to 7% of your weight, and going in with that is is probably the number one thing. Two, I would say, start with your primary care physician. Start with going to see that person and, and say, this is my goal. This is what I'd like to do. What medications can I adjust? What calories can I cut out of my diet? And and how do I do that? Is there a registered dietitian I could get in to see? What's the best way to shop at the grocery store? All these things are really good questions to ask your primary care doctor. And then the third thing, I would say, exercise. The big secret about weight loss is that exercise may not help you that much to drop numbers off the scale. But exercise will help your mood. It'll help your cholesterol panel. It'll help you sleep better. It'll help your uh, blood sugar levels. It'll help so many different things about your overall general health. And if your weight loss plan is geared towards getting healthier, then that should be part of it.
0: Now, this is this one isn't on the list, but what is your opinion on supplements or any quote unquote weight loss help that we might see at a salon or just you know corner store?
1: Well, I'm always cautious about those. Uh, I I think that supplements, kind of the basic foundation of nutrition, involves two different areas of nutrition. There's macronutrients, which you hear buzzwords about sometimes. On So those are your protein, carbohydrates, fats. Those are macronutrients. They give us energy. Then there's micronutrients. Micronutrients aren't talked about as much, but they're minerals and vitamins. Your body still needs minerals and vitamins to do its normal processes in life. On a side note, sometimes we confuse healthiness for things being filled with vitamins and minerals. A classic example I always use in the clinic is a banana. A banana is healthy, quote-unquote, filled with a lot of minerals and vitamins. But it's also packed with a lot of carbohydrates and a lot of sugar. So for someone who has trouble with controlling their sugars, a banana may not be the healthiest thing. All that said, when you look at supplements to help you lose weight, I recommend everyone who has trouble with their weight take a multivitamin and it doesn't have to be the $40 bottle that you bought at the hair salon it can be the $10 bottle that's at Walgreens but choose a place that you trust and then for fad type weight loss that comes in a bottle I would just be cautious about it we have a history in the US of buying things and taking things that maybe weren't studied very well, and those things, then later on, we find out that they maybe caused a little harm. And this is very much the case with weight loss medications. I think most listeners will probably remember FinFin back in the 90s being really popular. Well, FinFin was two different medications. It was Finchermine and Finfloramine. So that's where they got the FinFin, very clever. The fentramine uh, is a stimulant medication, and we still use it. It's used in medications today, weight loss medications that the FDA has approved for for you to take for a long time. One of those medications is called Q-simia. however, caused problems with people's heart valves and was removed from the market. So anytime you ingest something and put something in your body, we should understand that there's going to be maybe adverse effects to it and we should trust the person we got it from. So getting that from a pharmacy or from a trained physician as opposed to buying it from uh, somewhere else is is probably the best medical advice.
0: How can we ensure that the place where we fill our prescription is legitimate and that we aren't getting something that is not that was prescribed to us?
1: Right. So that is a very good question. With this semaglutide especially, there was, there was a shortage recently. So within the last, oh, I'd say six months or so, there was a very big shortage, and it was hard for anybody to find it, whether you took it for weight loss or whether you took it for uh, diabetic control. So anytime there's a shortage in maybe anywhere that the, that the human race has ever been, then people try to help you to overcome that shortage. And so I think some of these medications that are branded as an injectable and and like Ozempic but not requiring a prescription are probably not GLP-1 agonists. They're probably medications that have been around or vitamins or minerals that have been around and are – Legally prescribed over the counter. There's some pharmacies that have some injectables that you can go and pick up without a prescription. Most of those are, again, filled with vitamins and minerals. So as far as legality goes, the pharmaceutical companies own the intellectual rights to that compound. So it's... Not as though a compounding pharmacy could create this on their own. They would have to obtain semaglutide from the pharmaceutical company to compound it into anything. So I guess the the short answer is you can't really be sure unless it comes from a registered pharmacy and is prescribed by a physician.
0: So we should be wary of ordering this online?
1: I would. There's there's, money to be made in weight loss. And there always has been. There's always some sort of online something that you can buy or a program you can buy into. So getting it online uh, or receiving it from a company that makes money off of it, yes, you should always look deeply into who owns that company? How long has it been around? What's the reputation? Are they board certified physicians? Are they backed by a medical board in a state? Those things will ensure that you're acting in the most safe way you can to start your weight loss journey.
0: Is there anything else that you'd like to add?
1: No, just thank you for having me on here. It's always good to talk to you.
0: Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susanna Cisneros, Mark Hendricks, Tyler White, Kay Williams, and me, Melissa Whitfield